Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Well, it is such an honor and a privilege for me to be able to be with you this morning and um, to be able to share a little bit about what I do, but I am super excited about what I'm going to share with you today about what God wants to say to us. I trust you had a wonderful Easter, and I want to say in this Easter week, Christ is risen. He continues to be risen in our lives. I want to bless you in your homes wherever you are. And um, before I even start, I would love to just for us to take a few minutes to invite Jesus into our space. So would you mind just putting your hands out before the Lord, just tilting your head up a little bit. And as Pete Gregg reminds us so often in his writings is, recenter our scattered senses. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the gift of church. And thank you, Jesus, that you say you are building your church. And Lord, I thank you that right now that you would invade our space where we are. Lord, I thank you right now that you would touch our minds, that we would have brilliance of thinking and centered and concentrated thinking on you today. And you would guard our ears, Lord, that we would be able to hear your voice and all the other voices would leave. And Lord, I pray as well that you would guard our mouths, that we would, out of us, would flow rivers of living water. And we put our hands out before you now and we say, come, come Holy Spirit, fill this place where I am. Fill our hearts, Lord. And Lord, I thank you and I trust you that as we look at your word today, that we will leave this time together with hearts that are burning with your goodness. And so we invite you into this space now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited to be in this building again. And there are a few faces that I see that I love, but I'm so excited to be in your home as well. And over the last little while, we've been looking at a series called The Church of the Living God. And as we've been unpacking that, we're looking at the book of 1 Timothy. And I want to say this, I love studying God's Word. And it's good to study God's Word. And so I'm going to encourage you that if you haven't been um, following the series thus far, please go back and have a look at those videos. And uh, Anthony, just before Easter, spoke on 1 Timothy 4, which was brilliant. But to give you a quick little recap of what it's all about, it's a letter from Paul to a younger man called Timothy, who had been his companion in the journeys, the mission journeys that Paul had taken. He was, Paul was mentoring uh, Timothy. And, but in this letter, Paul is writing to Timothy, but Timothy is having the oversight and trying to help the church at Ephesus, an amazing group of believers. But you know, whenever there comes, whenever there's a group that comes together, as in going into a business or whatever, you have that time of, of forming, and then you have the time of storming, and then you have a time of norming, and then 
Unfortunately, we go back into forming, storming, norming. It seems to be the kind of way God also deals with us. And so here, at this time, Paul is writing to Timothy and saying, listen, these are some good ways to deal with issues and practices in my church. We need to always remember that, that this is always the church of God, although it's the church at emphasis Ephesus, it is Jesus's church. And so whenever there's uh, situations that need to be dealt with, there's always a challenge that comes. There's always a challenge that comes when we are wrestling with truths. But beloved, if we continue with that wrestle, there comes a time of recalibration and there comes a time of fresh revelation. And that always leads to to growth and maturity. And so in starting, what I want to do is I'm going to read 1 Timothy chapter 5. And if you've got your Bibles, please do follow along with me. But if you haven't, then just listen to what God has to say. And I'm going to be reading from the NIV Bible. It says this, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as he were a father to you. Treat younger men as brothers and older women as mothers and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should, lear these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family. And so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow, who is really in need and left all alone, puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up her children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the Lord's people, and helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for the younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for then their sensual desires, for when their sensual desires overcome them, their dedication to Christ, uh, they want to marry. Thus, they will bring judgment on themselves because they've broken their, uh, broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into a habit of being idle and, and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also busybodies who talk nonsense, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. 
If any one woman who is a believer has widows in her care, she should continue to help them and let the church be and not let the church be burdened with them, so that the church can help those widows who are rarely in need. The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of a double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. For scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker deserves his wages. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. But those elders who are sinning, you are to reprove them before everyone so that the others may take warning. I charge you in the sight of God and Jesus Christ and the elect angels to keep these instructions without partiality and do nothing out of favoritism. Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. The sins of some are obvious, reaching the place of judgment ahead of them. The sins of others trail behind them. In the same way, good deeds are obvious, and even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Woo! What a chapter! My goodness, thank you, Anthony Delaney, for giving me the privilege of having to unpack this. But really, what I want to do is, rather than try and do a Bible study of all of this, remember, this is talking to the church at Ephesus, but it also, there are parts of it, and the kernel of it is very relevant for us in the church today. And so, and so this chapter speaks, as with all of Timothy, speaks to all facets of the church community. And so in verses 1 and 2, we see the addressing of the young and the old. Verses 3 to 16, there's addressing of situations with widows. And then 17 to 25 is to do with elders. And throughout this letter, we need to also understand that this letter was written in approximately 60 AD. But, as I've already said, it is relevant today. We may not understand all the aspects of it. We may not find it all comfortable. But I, as I said earlier on, when we wrestle with truth, we uh, enjoy that recalibration and fresh revelation from God that leads to growth and maturity. And so looking at this, you know, for me, I, if I put it into a modern context where you are, where I am, we're living in a fractured society that needs to see the church living out with genuine and authentic love and care. In other words, true Easter people who know Jesus. We know his life. We ponder his cruel death. death. We grapple with the reality of what, we, what was celebrated last Saturday and Holy Saturday when nothing seemed to make sense to the disciples and then living in the fullness of Easter Sunday. In fact, God spoke to me and he said to me, Lynn, I don't want you to just celebrate Easter as a day on the calendar or a few days and then take it off and get on with your own life. I want you to be an Easter person. 
And what that means is that we are ordinary people that have experienced an extraordinary God who radically changes and is changing our lives. And God wants to change your life as he is changing my life. And let's not fall into the trap of the good news losing its impact and becoming toxic and irrelevant and watered down because of how we decide we will live our lives. And so the church that Jesus is building is always, always about intentional community. And wherever there is community, beloved, there will be challenges and issues to be addressed. Why? Because we are human. In 1 Timothy 3, which was addressed earlier on, it says this in verses 14 and 15. It says, although I hope to come to you soon, this is Paul writing, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves. In other words, how people ought to behave in God's household. Now that word household is a very interesting word in the Greek. It's the word oikos. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I know a little bit of Greek. All right. And it's, it means oikos. It means family. So you've got that little household. And then it says, the important thing is that it says it's God's household. And then it goes on and says, which is the church? And that Greek word is the word ecclesia or the gathering of households, and once again, the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And so in 1 Timothy 5, what Paul is addressing here and looking at is the culture and the conduct of the household. How do we function as a household in uh, the oikos, the smaller groups, and then in the ecclesia, God's church together? How do we connect? How do we care? And how do we honor? And in any Household, it is important for us to establish that it's all about relationships. I cannot say that enough. I am passionate about relating with people. None of us are meant to be islands alone. And so in verses 1 and 2, Paul begins to talk about what makes up a household. And he talks about older men, who he calls fathers, and younger men, who he calls brothers, and then he says, older women who are called mothers. And I have to tell you this, you know, working in South Africa uh, and the people that I, I work with, they, they kind of have these words for you. So when, when I first started with New Day, I was Sisi, which means sister. So that was great, especially at my age, to be called Sisi. And then I noticed that I went away and came back and our community were calling me Mama. So I kind of thought, okay, I'm getting older now. But the devastating thing was just before I left South Africa that they started calling me Gorko, which is granny. And so when they try and write me WhatsApp messages, they now don't call me Gorko, which sounds great. They call me granny. But anyway, I digress. And so then you get the younger women who are called sisters. 
But the important thing here is to see it's all generations being addressed. And beloved, households are made up of all ages and all genders. And so here, Paul begins to write to Timothy and he says, I want to encourage you to encourage the church at Ephesus on how we treat one another. And so the words that Paul uses as he begins to speak about these various categories of people, this household together, as he says, be those who exhort. In other words, encourage, not just older men, although he mentions it there, but one another. That we are to, to uh, keep ourselves pure before God. It's an incredible word, purity. And that's not just physical interaction, but it also, thinks, it also deals with how we think about one another, how we speak about one another, how we listen to stuff about one another. Let it be pure, beloved, as much as you are able. And then recognizing one another. In other words, seeing one another. It is so easy for us to just see in 2D because we're so spending so much time on our computers and Zoom calls. And I understand with COVID that that's difficult. But praise the Lord, we're allowed to see one another in the garden. Six of us at a time. Please keep that for now. But we need to see one another. We need to recognize one another. And we need to be a household, be the, we the oikos or the ecclesia, that are, core, are caring for one another. And so uh, if we drop down to verses 7 and 8 of 1, 1 Timothy chapter 5, it says this. Paul then says, give the people these instructions, constantly using those kind of words. These are instructions, not for legalism, but for life, beloved, so that no one may be open to blame. Ignorance is not bliss. Anyone who does not provide and in the Amplified, it says, neglects to care for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied their faith. And it says, has compromised on their faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Oh, my goodness. Over here, Paul says, anyone who does not provide, anyone who neglects to care for their, their relatives. And, and, you know, that we need to understand what that, that means to be connected to one another. And the question I want to ask you as I'm asking myself is, do I care for my family well? Now, I want to put a little caveat in here. If you are from an abusive family, Please do not read this, that you've just got to stay in this re abusive relationship. Please do not read or hear what th that from me. But I'm saying you have the grace to leave if that is your situation and get help. Get help. But here, Paul is addressing us as that household of God, as the church of God. In other words, how am I connected with my household? Those who are like me, in other words, those who think like me and maybe dress like me, Lord have mercy, who talk like me, not many of those in here around here, and who live like me. But also, but also in the household are those who are not quite like me. 
who don't quite think like me, who don't quite talk like me, or dress like me, or even smell like me. And in Galatians chapter 3, Paul begins to, because it's the Bible we're looking at, although we're looking at just one chapter here. But in Galatians 3, Paul addresses the diversity, the brilliance of the household of God. And he talks about Jews and Gentiles. He talks about the slave and the free. And he talks about the male and the female, all distinctive. They're distinctive culturally, economically, upper and lower, gender, They are diverse, but they are one household. And beloved, here is the unifying factor. And the unifying factor is Jesus, the one who died for us, the one who is risen for us, the one who understands you and who understands me. And in Jesus, we are equal. We have equal value. We have equal dignity and we have equal worth before him. And so I want to say this to you as we connect and care and honor. Those are the three words that I'm going to be looking at just for a few minutes here. What is so important is that we take some time to deal with our biases. I'll say that again. We take some time to deal with our biases and acknowledge those and begin to say, Lord, in the household, it's not just people like me, it's people who are from, who may not be like me, but in your sight, they are part of the family that you have called me into. And so love genuinely cares for the household, for those who I I get and those who I don't get. That I am one who is encouraging and calling others up. That I rejoice in seeing others thrive. That a people, beloved, this is so important. That people are not just a project. They are not just a means to an end. In New Day, we constantly remind ourselves, people are not our project. We love them. We genuinely call them up to a higher place and together. We flourish together. And so we connect with one another. But then we need to care for one another. And in this chapter, in 1 Timothy, we see that widows are specifically addressed. Those who are alone. And I know that there are widows in our Ivy community. But I also want to just extend that a little bit in our care, I want us to also remember that there are many who have gone through traumatic divorces. And there are many who are single. How, how do we care for those in our community? And beloved, the important thing this is this, is that they are also We, as a single woman, I'm a single woman, we need to also be included into the households. 
And so for those who are widows, those who have gone through traumatic divorces, those who are single, I want you now to just extend your hands up to heaven. And maybe those who are married uh, around us, just extend your hand out right now. Right now, just extend them out. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you that we can be those who care for our widows, who care for those who have gone through traumatic divorces, who care for those who are single. And Lord, that our household can celebrate and do life together, all of us together. I want to just deviate here a little bit, talking as a single person. You know, I love um, social media. Well, I don't love social media. I enjoy watching people's lives sometimes on social media. And I, you know, there's, I celebrate with married couples who say, we've, you know, this is our such and such anniversary. And I go, yay, yay for you. And, uh, or when, you know, married couples have a baby, yay. And people go, yes, we're going to bring you a present. Yes, we're going to do meals for you. We're going to care for you. And I love that. But beloved, the question I want to ask you, and please don't just say, oh, she's a single woman, so she's obviously going off in one. I want to ask you this. How are you caring for the widows? How are we caring for our widows? How are we including our widows and divorced people and single people? How are we loving them? How are we seeing them? You know, I was um, over Valentine's Day, well, just before Valentine's Day, I went to go and spend some time with my brother and his family. They're my bubble. Just, re just relax on that. Um, and I, you know, I was leaving to come home, and my brother knocked on my window of my car. And he said, these are for you. And he gave me some flowers. And he said this, Lynn, you're one of my most favorite girls. Oh, my word. My tank was full. My tank was full. And so in Galatians 6 verse 10, it says, So then, Galatians 6 verse 10, So then, while we, as individual believers, have the opportunity, let us do good, here's the important thing, to all people. Not only being helpful, but also doing that which promotes their spiritual well-being. And especially be a blessing to those of the household of faith. Be a blessing to the household of faith. I want to encourage you as we go into this next week, ask yourselves, Lord, how can I bless you? Because that's the first thing we do. How can I receive your blessing? We've got to receive his blessing. And then how can I bless others? And I want to encourage you even today, take some time to bless others. Take some time to text someone. In fact, I'm going to ask you to do this. Don't just text. Give them a call. Take some time to tell someone that you see them, that you love them, and that you care for them. And so we connect for, with people. We care for people. And then we honor people. It has to be part of our culture. In fact, care and honoring have the same root word. Do you know that the word honor is mentioned 170 times in the Bible? 170 times. And that word honor is to value, 
to give credit to, to see worth in. And over here in this passage in 1 Timothy chapter 5, it also talks about honoring our elders. Those are not just people over a certain age. Those are those, those, are those people that God has anointed and positioned in church oversight and in governing. And in verse 17, it says, give them double honor. Let me read the scripture to you. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And so these elders, we are called to respect them, to encourage them and to pray for them. That's not being, you know, kind of being those who are just um, doormats. That's not what the household is all about. But it's being able to honor those who God has placed in positions of authority in the church. And God has done that. It's his church. And I want to say, you know, I love the fact, and this is, I'm I'm not going to address the whole thing about wages of the people who work for Ivy Church, but I want to just address this, that God has placed us as Ivy Church, in such a generous church. And I want to say again, thank you for the way that you have supported me over so many years. But I also want to take a moment to honor our elders, those who are in those positions of oversight and governance in the church. And sometimes in our British society, we get very awkward about doing this. But I'm not talking about British culture. I'm talking, or American or wherever you are in the world, I'm talking about kingdom culture. Those who God has placed in oversight and governance who are in it in the good times and the bad times. And I've been an elder in this church, and I know there are good times, and I know there are bad times. In fair weather and in storms, men and women who prayerfully, discern and lovingly lead. We give you double honor today. Those who, those elders that we have here at Ivy Church who walk with vulnerability, who try to walk with honesty and authenticity and accountability. Please remember this. They are normal human beings and they will make mistakes like I have and like you have. But we honor them. We give them a double portion of honor for such a time as this. And so from 1 Timothy chapter 5, I've just brought out those few little bits for you. How do we connect? And how do we care? And how do we honor? In fact, I'm going to personalize it. How are you connecting? And if you are feeling isolated today, beloved, I want to encourage you to break that isolation and reach out to somebody else. Connect. If you are old or young, doesn't matter where you fit, connect. Find that relationship, not only with Jesus, but with one another. And I want to encourage you this week to care, to care for those around you. Intentionally see people, intentionally watch out for people, intentionally love people. And then to honor, honor one another, 
Oh, beloved, we all love to be honored. I love it when people honor me. But you know what? I have to also look at ways that I honor those around me, those who are like me, as I said, and those who are not like me. And so as we get ready for this new week, I'm going to ask if the band, if the worship team can come up and join me. And we're just going to take a moment to listen to Holy Spirit together, you in your household, and me as I'm standing here at Ivy Church. And let's just allow his awesome presence to come and do something extraordinary in your home. I'm just going to encourage you now. Maybe you've got kids that are running around and it's pandemonium and everything else. Just still your heart. Just still, be still and know. And maybe those three words are words that God wants you to grapple with a bit for truth to come to you today. Maybe you're needing to do some work, first of all, with Jesus. Maybe you've been an observer. Maybe you've just been looking as a, as a spectator. And I feel this morning that God's word to you is that this is the time for you to know that I love you, that I paid the price for you, that I'm calling you into my household, my oikos, my ecclesia. And Jesus is saying to you today, come home. We're not perfect, far from it. But we are his household. And so if that's you, and you've been looking and feeling disconnected, this is the time to connect. And I'd love you to just say this with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that Easter is not just a once a year event. But you are calling me to become part of your household where I receive your life. I acknowledge your death on the cross and I receive your resurrection. I ask you to be Lord of my life that I may be part of your household and that you can be part of mine. And I also feel very, just for a few seconds here, there's some people who are struggling emotionally. Just your emotions are all over the place. And the word of the Lord to you is, I care. I'm anchoring you. Reach out to me as I reach out to you. And I feel him saying, for nothing is impossible for me. Is anything too hard for me? I am the God who is more than able. And so be encouraged and take hold of all that God has taken hold of you for. So we connect, we care, and we honor. God bless you. In Jesus' name, have a great week. 
Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media. Thank you.